You're listening to the newest episode of Life Equals Choices, Choices Equal Life with your host, Kim Olver. This is Kim, and welcome to the 76th episode of Life Equals Choices, Choices Equal Life. If you like today's podcast, be sure to leave me a review on iTunes and share this podcast with your friends on social media. Just don't forget to tag me at the Relationship Center on Facebook or Instagram. Today, I have a special guest, Christine Duffield. Christine is a teacher, a fellow choice enthusiast, and a recent graduate of Mental Freedom Coaching. She has been learning and integrating Dr. Glasser's ideas into all areas of her life since 2004. She's a basic intensive instructor with Glasser Australia and welcomes every opportunity to teach choice theory, and she adds, to anyone who will sit still long enough to listen. Christine has been a teacher since 1978 and has taught children from reception to year 12 and has had various leadership roles in schools. Recently, she's been teaching year 9 and 10 students some choice theory in an elective called positive psychology. Welcome, Christine. I'm so glad you're able to join us. Thank you, Kim. Lovely to be here. I know for you, you learned mental freedom after you learned choice theory. So I know for you, you've often said that made it a little bit easier to learn because you had that choice theory foundation. I want to talk to you a little bit about choice theory first, because choice theory was my first love as well. How do you think the world would benefit if more people learned and practiced choice theory in their lives? It just gives people a chance to realize that they're more in control than they perhaps believe they are. In this uh, external control world, people think that the outside world is doing things to them and that's why they're behaving like they are. So if people can understand that the outside world gives them information and it's their choice what they do with that information or how they react to that information, then I believe people would get along a lot better, I suppose. Gives people a chance also to gain insight into themselves, realize what they can and can't do, why people behave like they do. I think the, the main thing was, though, that, that external control, realizing that the difference between ex- choice theory and other theories is other theories believe we're controlled externally and our past has a lot to do with what's going on. Whereas choice theory talks about the here and the now and the future. Very good. What's your favorite thing about knowing choice theory? <laughs> There's too many things, Kim, too many. It's all my favorite. But I really believe that working with students, the thing that has worked the best or they get it is the total behavior car, making that connection between the four parts of behavior and a car um, and how, where you want to drive and all that sort of stuff. So I really enjoy teaching people about the total behavior and the total behavior car, so to speak. I don't know if you heard a podcast I did recently with Ivan Honey, where he talked a Mm, lot about mm. his cars and the way that he teaches choice theory, which is really also very fun. And I was going to mention all of Ivan's work. I use that quite a lot. You know, certainly the Cars Are Us pack and also his Get Happier project. Yeah, that's nice. I have Ivan's Cars Are Us as well, and I like to use those in my training. I bet you use them in school with your students. Yeah, I do. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. 
I'm going to, going to start the next elective of positive psychology in about two or three weeks. So I'm in the process of planning, you know, what I'm going to do. And certainly a lot more of the mental freedom will come into that. So the best bit to me is the total behaviour calm and using Ivan's resources. But the children really seem to, or not just children, adults as well, they seem to get those four parts of behaviour. Often it's a bit problematic when you talk about the feeling of depression, you know, getting people to think about what they could be thinking or doing differently because they focus on that, you know, depression is, a, you know, the outside world's telling them that depression is a, you know, something wrong with your brain and you need this medication to help. That can be problematic. Yeah. Yeah, I know that that's like a big hurdle to get over. Mm. You talked about the four parts of behavior, but you didn't tell us what they are. So you want to just oh, hear that? The four parts of behavior. So the thinking and the doing or the thinking and the acting, that are the parts you have control over, direct control and the feeling and the physiology that sort of come along with what you're doing or what you're thinking at the time. Physiology meaning what your body does? Yeah, so body talk. I talk to the children about it being um, body talk, you know, that that, in, that instinctive gut reaction that you might have, that feeling. Physiology can be different in lots of people. You know, my physiology for being embarrassed is to get, you know, red in the face, but someone else's might be to get warm or to feel sick in the stomach. Right. I know it's not sick in the stomach for embarrassed, but I know that when I get upset about things, I usually feel it right in my solar plexus. That's the, that's my yeah. spot. And I feel yeah. like everybody yeah. has a spot that they yeah. know something's not right. Mm-hmm. So you had mentioned that you're going to include some mental freedom in your positive psychology elective. Yeah. I wonder if we could talk a little bit about that and what you're thinking you might want to include. Have you taught? Yes, I did. I did. I did it last year. The one that was perhaps the most profound for me was the responsibility and the responsibility. And the students really picked up on that, what their responsibility is and whether they have a responsibility to make the change. So that was really, really good. Excellent. I've talked to the audience before about mental freedom. So they know that there's Mm -hmm. six parts of the program. Was one of the parts more useful for you than the others? What did you like about it? It's a bit like my choice theory thing, all of it. (laughs) (laughs) But (laughs) once again, the responsibility and responsibility, that really gave me a chance to stop and think about what I was trying to do with my life, as in I needed to fix things, help people or whatever, realising that sometimes it wasn't my responsibility to do that. And what could I actually do in this situation? I mean, I can still feel sad or angry or any of those emotions about things that are happening. But, you know, what is my responsibility here and what actually can I do? Because Dr. Glasser says people are doing the best they can, but it's very difficult when the best they can is a behaviour that's not appropriate, acceptable or useful in the long term or anything like that. So... That one, the responsibility and the yeah, those two words, responsibility and responsibility. And I think they have to and want to, knowing do I have to do this or do I want to do this? And if it's a want to, then what am I going to do or think to get there? Are there um, things you still think you have to do? I am struggling with the dusting at home, Kim. I'm struggling. <laughs> <though>. <laughs> So let's let's talk about the dusting just for fun. Do you have to dust? 
no, Kim. <laughs> do <laughs> I have to dust? <laughs> you don't want to say no because you know you don't have to do it. Nobody no, has a gun to, to your head. No. You don't have to do it. No. So why no. do you do it? Let's just play with this a minute so the audience why? how this works. So why do why you do dust? It? So that my furniture looks nice and clean. So that it's part of the routine of my housework that the dusting, and yeah, my house looks nicer when it's dusted. I don't really want to be able to write my name in my furniture. <laughs> I like writing my name in mine, but you might not like it. Was is shorter than Chris. Kim is shorter than Christine. It takes too long. Yeah, yeah, that's right. So the idea of have to versus want to for people who are listening is understand there's nothing you have to do except one day eventually we're all going to die. That's a fact. I don't know how to escape that. Maybe there'll be a way to figure that out to escape it at some point, but I don't know of anybody who gets out of this world alive. Everything else that we do, I say, we do because we want to. If you think you have to dust, all you have to do is remember that you're dusting because you want your furniture to look lovely. So instead of saying, I have to dust, you could say, I get to dust so that my furniture and my home smells good. It looks good. And I feel good when I'm living in an environment that's clean. What does that have to do with mental freedom? Dusting is kind of a little thing, but it may be a big thing for you, Christine, but. uh, (laughs) Not anymore, Kim, not anymore. (laughs) I'm so happy to hear that. But also we tell ourselves there's things that we have to do that create a lot of pain and angst for us as we go through these have tos in our life. But if we get in touch with the reason we're doing it, then we recognize that we're actually doing it because we want to. And changing that little word, have to, to want to, can really free you up. We talk about mental freedom. It gives you a great degree of mental freedom when you recognize you're doing it because you want to. You don't have to be a victim anymore. I would say mental freedom is really the anecdote for victimization. If you're tired of feeling like a victim, if you're tired of feeling like people are making you do things you really don't want to do, mental freedom is a great way to find the freedom to live your life the way that you want. I'll get off my soapbox now. (laughs) And um, let's talk about your upcoming positive psychology class. Mm-hmm. What do you think you'll do with the students to help them grasp some of these concepts? Because you're working with nine and 10 year students. So yeah. they're about what, 14 and 15? Yeah, 14 to 16, 14, 15, some turn 16, but yeah. So they're right. And it's really good because it's right on the cusp of when they're choosing their subjects for their senior years and what they want to do. The course, Kim, is a bit of a hybrid. So what subjects they want to do for their future? What do I want to be? Do I want to be a doctor? Do I want to work be an electrician? Do I want to work in a shop? What is it I want to do? The course is basically around a combination of the Take Charge of Your Life course. People like yourself organised for international board. And then I have, since doing the Mental Freedom course last year, I put in each of the topics and I sort of did a bit of a choice theory thing, but then I also put put in some of the mental freedom concepts. Well, all of them, really. Do you think you'll do the same with this next one coming up? Yeah, it just depends on who I've got. And sometimes, so they can do it in year nine and 10. And if some of the year 10s have already done it, 
I'll need to think of a different way. I, I need to look at my class list. I'm just sort of waiting for them to be finalised to see if there's many people repeating it. Is this an elective but, or is it? Yes, quite, it's an elective. Yeah, it's they get elective. to choose it. Yeah, yeah. So they're choosing to do it. And most years I have a lot of girls, which is really quite interesting that it is just the females that want to take it up. And whether that's because they want to do psychology when they finish school, I don't really know. Depending on who I've got is depending on how I actually teach the concept. So the concept is there, but I may think of different ways of teaching it because the students learnt it a certain way. If I do the total behaviour car, for example, I may, well, I will certainly put in some different scenarios, but I will think of a different way to introduce it to them. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, that's interesting Mm. when you have the same people might be taking it twice. I can see how it's a bit of a challenge to try to find some Mm. unique ways to do that. Yeah. If I recall correctly, when you were in mental freedom coaching, you were applying some of what you were learning to some boys that you were teaching. Do you want to share what happened with those young men? Well, they're a work in progress, shall we say, Kim? (laughs) Yeah. What you said before, they're really at the doing the best they can. You know, what Glasser talks about doing the best they can, but I'm still going with, yeah, but the choices they're making are not appropriate. One young man we have just heard recently has a, a medical condition. And, you know, the doctors are saying you need to make these changes in your life. I'm thinking now maybe he's going to realise that some of his choices were not always the best choices for him because of this medical condition. I think it's still about forming the relationship with them because a lot of the boys I don't teach as such. I just hear about or see in the yard or I may have as a relief lesson. So that makes it very difficult. But I have a class this year that some of the students are challenging because for whatever reason, they believe that unless this is going to be really important to me right now, then why do I have to do that? I don't know whether other teachers are finding the same thing, but it's very difficult to get them to do the work you want them to do when their behaviours are doing everything that's stopping them doing that. Right, because... The thing about the mental freedom piece is that we recognize that everybody's doing the best they can to get what they want. And Mm. so you want something and so do they, and they're not aligned. And that's the problem. You're doing everything you can do to get them to do what you want, but they're doing everything they know to do what they want, which is not what your agenda is. So that is a challenge. And it is a time to go back to that responsibility versus responsibility. It's not yeah. your responsibility to make them learn. <laughs> no, it's no. not. It is no. your responsibility to create a learning environment and a situation yeah. where they might want to learn what you're teaching. Yeah. That's something that you can always get better at. So it comes down to, I'm not responsible to make them learn but I am responsible to get better at what I do and to always look at how could I make this a more need satisfying experience for these kids who have a different agenda. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. That's always hard. (laughs) It's difficult because, you know, in in the 45 minute lesson that we have, they would like to spend 30 of it sitting in the beanbags I have in the room and talking and playing and watching basketball, the basketball in America. 
they can stream it now. And because people in America play basketball in the middle of our school day, for some reason, they want to watch these playoffs or whatever it is. America needs to play when they play their basketball so that students in Australia don't watch it. <laughs> okay. Well, you let me know yeah. how successful. Can you get that are. organized for me, please? Oh, I don't know. I don't have any pull with the basketball association <laughs> here. <laughs> and the boys are most impressed that I know who people like LeBron are and um, Michael Jordan. But, you know, that's the extent of my knowledge. <laughs> <laughs> you know, LeBron James and Michael Jordan. Well, those are two that's great exact- basketball players. That's exactly so right. Mm. That's right. <laughs> Yeah, you're right, Kim. And when you talk about that responsibility and responsibility, I have tried lots of different things to engage them. Yeah, certainly have. I know you have. As I said, the beanbag, you know, getting the beanbags there so they can sit in them. So when they sit in the beanbags, then they they can't write because, you know, they're not sitting properly. And so there's all, so I let them do that occasionally. But like that saying about giving them an inch and then they take a mile. I think I also, too, have that at the back of my mind. What is my responsibility here and what's my responsibility? And that's why I do do the change. I suppose I hadn't really thought of it in those terms, that I do try and change things up. For example, today we're going to do some puzzles. It's just a different thing rather than reading. We're reading a novel at the moment called Unwind by um, an American guy called Neil Schusterman. So it's about teenagers who don't do the right thing. Their parents can unwind them. And then they they get unwound, and so all their body parts get used as organ donation for other people. Very dystopian. Oh my goodness, that's just, <laughs> that's a crazy book. I bet they like they, it though. They love it. They absolutely love it. It's a crazy book, but yeah. So these teenagers who are a little bit of the same age as them are getting. They're trying to beat this unwind order, so to speak. And very interesting. <laughs> So, Christine, do you have any words for the audience who might be considering doing the mental freedom coaching? Anything you'd want to say to them? It would be the best money that you spend this year, I would say. Certainly is a chance to sit and reflect on what you do and why you do it. Kim has an easy manner of getting the point of view across. It's very powerful. I liked the group sessions. You know, it was nice to hear other people's stories. I think that's always very, um, well, for me, it's it's great to hear that other people are thinking and doing the same thing. It's not just me, the positives and the negatives of things. The way that you presented each of the sessions, Kim, seemed to me to be a way to get us, to, so you presented the information, you gave us time to reflect on it, how we might use it in our life, and then to listen to what the other people could or would do. Well, I'm getting started with some new groups. So maybe Mm -hmm, if mm -hmm. you're listening to this and you're interested, you can just send me an email at kim at kimolver.com and we can get you set up with a mental freedom group session if you want. And we also do individuals. So just let me know what your interest is. That would be great. So Christine, I just want to check and see if there's anything you would like to add as we're getting ready to close. Anything you'd like to say about choice theory or mental freedom before we end? No, I really enjoyed the opportunity and it was great that I could be sitting in my bedroom in Australia and I could be listening to people in America in all different parts of it. I think that was great. It was a great connecting thing, which choice theory has always offered me as a chance to connect with people. And yeah, if people said to me, should I do it or not? I would always say, yes, go for it. It would be great. Mm, Thank you so much. That's sweet. 
Okay. So thank you so much, Christine, for sharing your experiences with us. It's been a real pleasure having this conversation and I know the audience is benefiting from your words of wisdom. So thanks so much. Thank you. I've really enjoyed it too, Kim. Thank you. I hope you enjoyed today's podcast and that you'll join me next week when I'll be talking with Anthony Frere, another mental freedom graduate about the benefits he received from just six sessions. I'm looking forward to it. Talk with you then. This has been another thought-provoking episode of Life Equals Choices, Choices Equal Life. To listen to past episodes, please visit our website at www.therelationshipcenter.biz forward slash podcast and remember to subscribe.